<clears throat> Praise the Lord that we have been set free from fear. Sometimes I don't think we think about that as Christians, as believers, that the spirit of fear is not within us. We have the Holy Spirit. That is not the spirit that we have. And the Bible tells us that and how amazing that is. Uh, the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And again, he didn't have to do it. It's amazing. It's amazing. And, uh, of course, moving into our time in the Word today, I'd like to start uh, my message time out by saying uh, we are not going to dismiss our kids. How's that for a change? Not going to dismiss our kids with the grade to children's church. Uh, starting today and for the next three weeks, I'm happy to announce that our time together is going to be intended for everyone, for the entire family. The name of our series is, uh, you can see it here behind me, Not for Kids Only, Who is God? I'm excited, excited about this. I encourage you to uh, bring some of your little ones, uh, maybe some grandkids, maybe little ones, grandkids of your next-door neighbor, invite them all to worship. Uh, for the rest of the month. I'm looking forward to sharing family time with you during worship time. We're going to be talking about the Trinity, interestingly enough, for the next three weeks. It's, it's amazing how God works, isn't it? But as we begin uh, this family time today uh, discussing God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, again, as, as He is revealed in His Word, our focus is going to be on this morning, certainly not limited to God the Father, now, I've organized our message time a little differently, at least for this part one. I asked a couple of our kids earlier this week for a few questions about God, and they gave me some great ones to pray over, uh, some ones I don't know that I'm ready to answer yet. Um, but I narrowed these questions down to just a few and added a couple. We had a total of five questions and answers in separate sections. And this is going to make up this morning's message entitled, God is Real. God is Real. Uh, going to try something new today. Praying it works. We'll find out. But uh, without further ado, we're going to jump into our, our first question uh, as part of Not for Kids Only. First question today, how can I know God is real? How can I know God is real? This is a great question, isn't it? It's great. Uh, you know, we, we hear uh, in public schools across the country, science is real. We have ways we can prove things empirically and things like that. This morning, we can split the answer a couple of different ways. One author says God has revealed himself to us, again, in three ways. In creation, in his word, and in his son, Jesus Christ. Three ways. Let me restate this in a slightly different way. When we go outside and we look around us, what do we see? We see trees, we see plants, grass, animals, people. Uh, usually not right here in the parking lot, but sometimes we do if the cats are out. Um, what we call creations. And we can know God is real because we see all of the things he has made, right? We can see his creation. This is how we know he is real. Question, if you come home from school one day or, or wherever you've been, you see a stack of mail laying there on the table or on a chair in your house, what does that tell you? Somebody, maybe a parent, uh, someone has been to the mailbox already, right? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's probably a pretty safe guess. You know that, that this person is real because somebody had to bring in the mail while you were at school. Hopefully that's not the only proof that, you know, your parents are real. But 
You know that this person, maybe a parent, maybe someone else that lives there, isn't just real, but that they did something in and around your house while you were gone. The same is true with God. The same is true with God. We can go outside, we can see trees, we can see plants, animals. We can know for sure that God is real. And not only real, but since plants grow and seasons change and the deer get bigger and uh, your minister's hair gets grayer, so he has to cut it short. Because of all these things, we know that God is real and he's at work in the world around us and he's at work in us. We also know God is real, and this is interesting. Let's face it, we're able to stop and ask questions about him. Isn't that neat? We're actually able to ask questions of God, and that's a good thing for us. We know that God created man in his own image. Created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Created him, male and female, he created them. This is what our Bibles tell us. This comes from Genesis 1:27 in this collection of books about God. And we're also told this about him. Romans 1:20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. This is basically saying we don't have any excuse for not believing in God. There's no reason for us to not know that God is real because we can see, we can see it in the world around us. Second answer to the question, how can I know God is real? We have his words right here. The very words of God. This is a big deal. The words of this Bible, written down by 45 different authors over a period of not just a couple hundred, but 1,500 years. God brought this together. These words were written over three different continents in three different languages. A bunch of people were used over quite a time span. Care to guess how many? Care to guess how many people were used in the bringing together of this? You can just shout a number out, if you know. No guesses? 45. 45. That's maybe a little under, I don't know, half congregation. 45 people. Imagine if God were to use half the people that uh, came to the church building to worship to write down his words for everyone to read. If God, were able, if God did that, maybe that's not that hard to imagine, but then imagine each individual wasn't sitting here all together in the same room. God used over 15 entire lifetimes worth to get his message across this many generations. Think about that amount of time passing from birth to death to birth to death. Even the very language spoken, used by God's people, would be different. Would be different. We don't think about this because we have it all here together. It's all bound for us. Let's talk about language a minute. Do, do we have any fans of hot dogs here in the audience? If you like hot dogs, you can just go ahead and stick your hand up here. That's a question every preacher has wanted to say. We've got a few. Got a few, okay. Imagine you wanted to pass a message along. You've got a friend named Jim. You wanted to pass a message along to your friend Jim that you liked hot dogs. 
Only one problem here. The words hot dog wouldn't mean hot dog by the time Jim gets your message. There would be entirely different words for hot dog. We'll say uh, by the time it gets to Jim, the words you have to say are actually buzzle snout. Just stay with me. I, you know, I put it in my own words. Those are my own words, buzzle snout, my words. Use your own words. Don't try that at school. The very first guy will say his name is Moses. He wrote the first part of the message. We'll say first five books of the Bible, the Torah, books of law, whatever. He might use the words hot dog. He didn't, I promise they're not in there. But your friend Jim, who knows hot dogs as buzzle snouts instead of hot dogs, would actually have to translate hot dog into buzzle snout for his friends to understand the message. Do you understand how over all these lifetimes, the passing of God's message to others can get so complicated? Language changes over time. It changes over time, but God doesn't. And it's incredible how spanning all these years, God has given us this set of books called the Bible. Isn't that incredible? When you stop and think about it that way, the Bible itself says all Scripture is God-breathed. Is God-breathed, 2 Timothy 3.16. To make it even more astounding, no part of this cancels out another part. As an example, the New Testament, second part of the Bible, tells us all about Jesus, the Son of God, and we'll focus next week our time uh, on Jesus. But it's important to note that 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Micah, who wrote a book in the first part of the Bible, told readers of God's word where Jesus was to be born. 700 years prior. Only God could have done that. Only God. Only a very real God could give a very real message like what we find right here. Archaeologists and scientists have said, uh, like one, uh, this of the Bible, there's no single archaeological discovery, no finding, which has ever contradicted a single biblical reference. There have, however, been plenty of discoveries in the last 2,000 years since this was completed of this, lives that have been changed because of knowledge of God. Lives that have been changed. Amen? Are any of you witness to that? Any of you? Can any of you say a life has been changed because of this? God is real. God is real. The very words he's given us, only God could pull this off. You and I can't pull this off. Final answer to this question. How can I know God is real is this? We can truly know God. We can truly know God the Father because of the Son. This is so important. John chapter 14, verses 6 to 11. Again, this is from the NIV. Jesus is talking, and Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then he says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. This is what Jesus, the Son of God, says from now on. You do know him and have seen him. Jesus has made it clear to us that we can know God is real. Because Jesus is real. Jesus is not God the Father, but Jesus is God as the Son of God. So this answers uh, our first question this morning. How can I know God is real? 
powerful stuff there. We can spend the rest of our life just on that. Question number two for the morning is, how powerful is God? Uh, One of my little ones who couldn't be here this morning, she wasn't feeling well, asked this question. And this is a really big question, deserving of a really big word for for an answer. O-M-N-I-P-O-N-T-E-N-T. Did I put too many T's in there? God's word describes our God as being omnipotent. One commentator says this word comes from two words in Latin, omnis meaning all and potence meaning power. Our very real God is truly the source of all power in the entire universe. There's no power in the universe that doesn't come from God. That's incredible. That's incredible. Revelation 19.6 says, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. He reigns. He's over all. Hebrews 1.3 of God's word also says that the words of God in Christ uphold all things. He's above, beyond all things. Here's another question. Just for fun, kids, have you ever tried to stop time? You know, because you're bored. Have you ever tried to just hit pause on the world turning? Good luck. Sometimes when we're having a really good day, we wish we could just hit pause. Sometimes when a day's not going so well, we we wish we could hit fast forward, right? Or skip. Doesn't work. Sometimes you're sitting inside of the church building, and your preacher just goes on and on and on, and you're thinking, we're never going to get to lunchtime. But you guys never think that way about me, but... We can't stop time. Try, we, we try sometimes. We aren't the source of all power in the universe, so it's difficult for us to do that, but God is. God is the source of all power in the universe, so when God's soldier Joshua orders the sun and moon to stand still by the power of the Lord in Joshua 10, 13, time actually stops in the Bible. Isn't that cool? Time actually stops. God proved he was all-powerful for this Bible occasion and many more. Not to say that you and I don't have some power from now, uh, now and again in some things. I just had the power to take a drink from my water bottle. It's not a lot of power, but you've got to settle for what you get, right? We can change channels on the TV. We can open a front door uh, to go into the front door of our house. We can pause whatever music or, or show is playing on a phone. We're given that power. It's power. But God is ultimately more power than anyone or anything. There's absolutely nothing outside of his nature that he cannot do. God cannot sin. That's outside of his nature. God cannot contradict himself. That's outside of his nature. But there's nothing God can do if he desires. And this is really good news because this means, and we talked about this earlier, it's amazing how the Spirit works. God can work through us to serve him in doing things we could never do on our own, amen? Things we could never do on our own. Matthew 19, 26. One day I was writing... uh, uh, with the family in the flex, and, and little Bella said out of nowhere, God's more power than a superhero. It was completely random, but it made my day. Made my day. Is anybody a fan of superhero movies? I got some hands up in the air. A few pretty high there. I don't think I can get my, my hand that high in the air. 
The ones where the superhero has to go against some kind of bad guy, and, and even if the superhero might win against the bad guy in the end of the movie, there were still some limits, right? There were some limits on what that superhero could do. Maybe even at the big showdown. Our preacher watches a, a lot of superhero movies. Sounds like This sounds more like a Western. <gasps> but our good guy was, was maybe weakened at different points during the movie, right? This happens. He couldn't take on the, this bad guy until whatever reason. It always seems to be an hour and a half into the movie. That's when he can defeat him. But you get the point. You get Bella's point here. God is infinitely more power, not just more than a superhero, but anyone. There's no limits. He can put limits. But God makes superheroes look not that super. They don't look so super in comparison with God. One preacher writes, We receive our energy on earth from the sun. Here's something that maybe you don't know about the sun. The sun radiates, get this, 330 trillion horsepower. That's a lot of horses. I can't picture that many horses in my mind, can you? 330 trillion horsepower of energy to earth daily. That's the amount of energy from the sun. Now, I've got to be honest, I can't picture that. I don't know what 330 trillion horsepower of energy looks like, but I think I've seen my kids run around the basement in the rollerblades with that amount at least a couple times. Keep in mind that the sun that we know is just one medium-sized star in our galaxy of 100 billion other stars, and God made all this. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? He would actually not be God if he, hadn't, if he hadn't made all this. What a relief to know that we, that he who we worship, when we come to church service on a hot, sunny day, he's much bigger than heat and light itself. Isn't that incredible? I'm also thankful for the fact that he allowed us to uh, uh, come up with air conditioning. Thankfully, he shared that power with us. Let's move on to, uh, to answer our, our third question. I like this question a lot. When and where was God born? Let's ask that again. When and where was God born? And, you know, again, we're not talking about God the Son here. Let me ask you, everyone here a different question. Think back. Can you tell me about the day that you were born? What was going through your mind, you know, as that was happening? Boy, it's bright out here. No, I don't know. Do you remember your birth? Just go ahead, you know. Raise your hand if you remember and if you say yes, we're going to have you come up and, and talk, because that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Typically, we are unable to tell others the story of our birth, but that's not the same reason why we're unable to tell others the story of God's birth. You see, friends, by his very nature, God cannot ever have been born. He could not ever have been born. When God came to Moses in Exodus chapter 3 to send him to Egypt to lead his people out of slavery, Moses asked God this very simple question. What shall I tell them regarding who sent me? I'm wording it a little differently. But God said to Moses, I am who I am. I am who I am. This is what you are say, to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's Exodus 3.14, by the way. God's answer to Moses reveals he could never have had a day of birth, neither could he have a day of death. God is. 
God is. His name could literally be given as I am. Sometimes we see God's name spelled out in letters from the ancient language Hebrew. It looks like this, this uh, Y-H-W-H. And sometimes we might attempt to pronounce God's name, put in some vowels. Okay, we'll, try, we'll say Yahweh, although the Jews didn't believe God permitted us to say his name. Today, sometimes we might convert this to English. We might uh, say Lord. Our English Bibles often render it this way. But the letters of the name literally translate into the expression, I am. Many of us have a name that maybe meant something uh, to our parents when we were born. This name means, uh, you know, uh, daisy or sunshine. Uh, then there's always the old bit about uh, uh, the, the, the boy named Nick, who, uh, whose uh, parents thought of the name, whose dad thought of the name when he was shaving. That's an old one. <laughs> Top secret, if you ever saw that movie. But the letters of the name of God literally translate into the expression, I am. What does it mean? God is, he was, and he shall always be. God's creation doesn't work like this. Whether my name is, is Moses or Josh or Luke or Tony doesn't make any difference. We had a birth, we live our lives, and someday we will pass from this life. But when you are God, the great I am, you have no beginning, you have no end. Revelation twenty two thirteen. as difficult as it may be to imagine, God wasn't ever born. But this is good news. This is good news. We can trip and fall and hurt ourselves, or, or we can miss dinner time and get hungry, miss a school bus, need someone to take us to school. As human beings who were born, live, and pass away, we have needs, right? We have concerns. We have things we have to take care of. We may not always like, especially when we're young, having a, a mom and dad, quote, tell us what to do. We may not like that as we get older. We, we kind of appreciate that and wish they would do it more. <laughs> But the fact remains, we need the guidance of parents during our growing up years, don't we? We need that. We have that need. We need uh, a guardian. We need a parent. And then we still have uh, different needs when we're, we're grown up. When I was a kid, uh, when I was younger, I thought I, quote, needed a can of Coke every day after school. Today, diabetic Josh, not so much. But our great God is in no need of anything or anyone. He doesn't need anybody. One author says he will be the eternally constant God. He stands ever-present, unchangeable, able to do what he wills. As an almost 40-year-old uh, man, there's one thing I can promise you, especially if you're a young person. Today, you have homework, you have other activities in your life. You don't exactly look forward to doing, like going to bed when your parents tell you to. Nobody likes that. Being a kid isn't easy because you don't, you know, maybe always get to do what you want all the time, but yet it seems like your parents do. You look around now, some of us, and think, oh, being an adult, that's got to be great. That's going to be so much fun. I won't have anyone telling me what to do all the time. We think this. But when you're an adult, you get there, and then you realize you have even more activities and responsibilities and errands and paying bills and people telling you what to do. You will continue to have basic needs as well. You'll have to eat and breathe and other science facts. And that's just the situation for us, boys and girls, no matter how old we are. There are people that like to brag that they don't need anybody. I can live my life however I see fit. But ultimately, we've got a limited lease on life, don't we? Our Lord and God who made us relies on himself. And maybe this means, if we think about it long enough, kids, maybe this means it's a good idea if we learn to rely on him too. 
because he's the only self-sufficient being in the universe. We're desperate for him because of that. He's the great I am. We're desperate for the great I am. Amen? But if we know God's real, all-powerful, everlasting, uh, this will bring us to our next question. Question number four, does God watch me all the time? Bible verse uh, gives us the answer to this, includes, but it's not limited uh, to Proverbs 15, verse 3. Again, it's on the screen behind me. I'm using the NIV. It says, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. If you'd like to, you can also uh, make notes of Matthew 6, 4 and Psalm 121, 8. What else can we add to our list about God this morning? God is also not just everywhere, not just all-powerful. God is also all-seeing. All-seeing. If you take a walk out uh, the back of the sanctuary, if you turn your head opposite of the front door, you'll see part of our security camera system here at the church building. You've seen that. Uh, Some of you have worked on that system. If you've ever seen a video camera around the Ferris Church of Christ Church building, you've wondered, does Ferris Church watch me all the time? The answer is yes. No. We can. We can. The answer is we can see what's going on here. Maybe it's because of this rough neighborhood we're living in out here across from that graveyard. And I'm joking. But you know, it's really no joke since uh, we had these situations recently. Dayton, Ohio celebrated, if you want to call it a celebration, our nation's 250th domestic terrorist attack this year with nine people killed and 27 injured right on the heels of 20 dead at the El Paso, Texas Walmart. You know, we're not taking a suspicious behavior lightly, are we? We're not taking it lightly here. It's a good thing that we have a security system. We have volunteers. We have uh, protection for our people. And it's a good thing. It's also a good thing that God watches over us as well. Think about it in this light. If we know God's eyes are on the things we do and say, shouldn't it remind us every day to do and say things that please God? Remember, God is real. He's all-powerful, everlasting. He's all-seeing. We need to keep this in mind. You remember the story of uh, uh, Peter in Mark chapter 14? You can turn there with me or... Or uh, I'll, I've got it on the slide up here also. I'm going to paraphrase this text. Jesus is talking. Uh, this is right before Gethsemane, Gethsemane where he is arrested. And what did, he, what did he say to his followers? You will all fall away. Jesus says this. You will fall away. It's going to happen. Peter goes on to argue with Jesus in, in verse 29. Well, I won't, I won't, Jesus. Even if I'll fall away, I won't. Verse 30, truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. Peter argues again, says again in verse 31, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. The Bible even says Peter insisted he wouldn't betray the Lord, but there's only one problem with Peter's claim. Jesus was watching him. Jesus was watching him. And later in verses 66 to uh, 72, Jesus is arrested in the garden. He's arrested in the garden of Gethsemane and put on trial. And this exact same Peter is called out by others for being one of Jesus' disciples. And guess what he does? He He denies even knowing him. How many times? Three. 
Peter lies, says he doesn't know him, and Luke chapter 22, verse 61, says at that very moment, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and I find this very interesting. And Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. You find it a little sad for Peter to forget God was watching him or ignore this fact and go right on and to deny him. Why did he deny him? And how about us? How are we even like Peter? No matter how old we are, there are times we forget or there are times we ignore the fact that God is watching us, that he's looking, that he's seeing. When we fail to listen to someone, when we ignore our parents, when we don't honor them, when we uh, fail to do the things we need to do, when we uh, refuse to uh, stop hitting our, our little brother in the head with a frozen bag of garlic bread. Don't do that, kids. Preacher gave me great ideas today. We forget God is real. Do we, do we hope and pray? He's looking the other way. Sometimes I'm guilty of that. Uh, God, could you just turn your back just 15 minutes? Just, just a little bit? Just... I'll let you know. Just check back with me, God. That'd be great. doesn't work. God watches us all the time. Whether our name is Apostle Peter or, or Preacher Josh, I don't like that, but it's the truth. And just like our God is good, he's watching us, and that's good too. We need that. We're fallen. We're fallen, we're broken, and we're sinful. It's good for us. I have one last question to answer this morning. I'd call it God too. I'd call it, excuse me, I'd call it good too. Why can't I talk to God in person? Why can't I talk to God in person? Well, the answer is, the short answer is, you can. You can talk to God in person, and this is really cool, and we're going to get into this more in a couple of weeks uh, when we talk more about the Spirit. But Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says, uh, from God's Word, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. That's really cool if you think about it. So understand that if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, when you pray to God, the Holy Spirit takes the very words you say to God and helps you pray to God, talking directly to God. I don't mean to, to dodge the question. I understand what you're saying. Why can't I face God the Father and talk to him person to person? And although we find this, uh, it's true, uh, God the Father is a person in what we call the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, three persons in one. We, you and me, as God's creation, we are unable to see God the Father. God's word tells us so. Exodus 33:20 says, You cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. And that thought used to bug me a little. I, I, I didn't like that. But here's the thing. We shouldn't be disappointed that we can't look upon the face of God and have a conversation with him because we've been with Jesus. We've seen Jesus who is God. And someday we'll get to be with and see Jesus again. We don't understand completely how this all works. But we know God does. We know God does. We can quote a famous Christmas song. I encourage kids to pray from 1 to 92. I haven't sang in a little while during my sermons. I know you're all thinking I know. It's been great. But the Bible says... 
1 John 5, 14, God hears us. Think about how mighty he is. Think about how powerful he is. And God hears all of us when we talk to him. He hears us. Hebrews 4.15, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. How cool of a thought is that? It doesn't matter where on earth we are. Our God in heaven, our Father in heaven is just a prayer away. And there's nowhere that you and me, no matter how old we are, where we might be, that we are without him, says Psalm 139. Sometimes we need somebody to talk to, don't we? Again, we talk about those needs. Someone that really understands us. God is real. God really made us to come to Him. We just need to talk. We're promised He'll do the listening. He hears us. It's incredible. And quickly, I'd like to wrap up a little bit, maybe focusing more on uh, the uh, uh, parents and adults this morning as we're wrapping up our, our time together. As I was beginning research for my uh, time in the Word this week, I noticed something interesting. I was uh, Googling for an online article on, quote, uh, religion in public schools. And I was doing this, you see, I wanted to end my message today with, with some kind of a reference uh, to our history of prayer, uh, its usefulness, and then its removal from the American public school education system. And what I found interesting about it was this. Nearly every hit I found on just a general Google search on the internet was biased to the left. I found that interesting. Meaning that uh, the ACLU, NPR, and others of their ilk were among the main sources of, quote, information at my disposal online on this uh, topic, on this subject. And the articles I was given for my, my time searching to find historical facts were the following. Public schools shouldn't preach. That was one. Schooling must discriminate against religion. That's two. I was only looking for uh, simply an unbiased, again, historical document to give me some facts about a time which some of us still remember. For over a century, prayer and likewise God was welcome throughout educational environments in this country. And then the 60s happened. And Madeline Murray O'Hare, founder of American Atheists, began suing school systems. Things began to change. Today, as we wrap things up, as we wonder why the sound of gunfire fills the halls, why bulletproof backpacks are showing up at Meyer, we shake our head at this. Where's God? Well, God is real. But the general public, including Google, doesn't believe in him anymore. Parents, adults, the task is ours to teach our kids about him. It's fallen on us. It's our job. It's not going to happen at the school. It's not going to happen anywhere else. Will we get in God's word daily so that we're ready to answer questions, questions like these questions that were brought to me? Can we teach a real God to our kids so that they someday can do the same? That's our charge and that's our challenge as God's people. Let's pray. Lord, again, we come to you and we are in awe of you. 
We are in awe of who you are. We are in awe of your love. Lord, you're a God who can stop time, can stop the sea. Lord, you can speak through an animal. (laughs) The revelation you've given us in your word is amazing. And we find that when we get into it and we study it and we look at at what it has to say about you, we we can't help but, but stand in awe of you more and more. Lord, we we live in a time in which more than ever, maybe, we need you. We need you back in our homes, in our houses, in our schools. Some of our churches, Lord, are, are getting away from you. Our nation, our world, we are fully dependent on you. We are not self-sufficient. You are. And you offer yourself to us every day. Lord, I pray we would be people that desire you. That we would want you back. We would quit going our own way. And Lord, I'm thinking about the church here. Help us to be people who will stand up in the face of culture, in the face of the world around us, and proclaim, you are real. You are real. In fact, you're the realest thing there is. You offer us heaven. You offer salvation. You offer us everything. All power comes from you. Lord, I pray that in our lives in every way as your people, we would truly give credit where it is due in all ways. I thank you for our children, Lord. I thank you for our children and for the next generations. Oh, Lord, please help us. Please help us to stand strong, to stand on you. Help us to not shy away from the truth. And above all, help us to remember we've seen the sun. Let the light of the world guide us in all that we do. It is in that powerful name of our Savior Jesus. I pray these things. Amen. God is real. Amen. God is real. He made us. He saved us. He's coming back for us. And we're going to sing this invitation song today, Our God Saves. Perhaps the most, surely the the most amazing thing we see in, in, in God's word is the power and the presence of Jesus in our day-to-day life, the way he works and all that he does. If you have a public decision to make today, if you haven't yet experienced that power of God in your life at the point of baptism, when you're made that new creation, when you come up out of the waters, we invite you to do so. Again, I've said this the last few weeks, I'll say it again, a limited offer. And if you have, if that's already become a reality in your life, please pass that on to others. Bring them in here. Let's get them gone and taught and baptized as well. 
Today we're going to stand and sing this uh, invitation song, testing to the power of our very real God, our God saves. Would you stand? Thank you.